Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, and as you possibly turn there, um, I'm kind of curious, if you were to, if it was January 1st, and there was all the commercials out on their TV and on the radio, what do you think would be the number one commercial, or what do you think would be the most hot-ticketed selling item? Fitness, exactly. Whether it's a Bowflex, or whether it's a treadmill, whether it's free uh, weights, it, that's what I would have to guess. I don't know. I didn't look it up. But that's what I would say would be the hottest selling item would be exercise equipment. We do have a treadmill, which I've been trying to get on the morning and go walking on for about half an hour. Um, I do have a weight system that can do all these certain kinds of things with the, the pulley system so that I can work harder than I ever dreamed of working. I do have a free weight system that I'm planning on using. You know, I, <laughs> I, I did from time to time. Although you will never be able to tell <laughs> that I did, I have a plan to do that. But your, your physical body is not the only thing that you can work out in life, right? Anybody here ever work out their mind? You know, my dad, he's really good at doing that. Uh, he's 61. He just turned 61, uh, yes, two days ago. And um, he likes to, to do crossword puzzles. He likes to do Sudoku puzzles. He likes to do all those kinds of challenging brain things that I don't even dream of trying to do. But he does that, he keeps his mind in shape. But there are other things in life that we can keep in shape. Um, I think about Darren uh, and, those, and those guys who run around on horses. And maybe Chloe did that this summer. I don't know. Chloe, do you ride horses? Okay. So Chloe might have done this, but, uh, you know, you have a horse. You don't want to just all of a sudden expect him to be ready when you're going to chase a calf. You know, the guys who get out there and they're going to rope a calf in order to drag him so that they can brand him, they got to keep their horse in shape so that he has the endurance so he's not just fat and lazy so that he can move so people keep their animals in shape uh, we keep our vocal cords in shape right if we're going to sing we kind of have to develop these things i know caleb has been trying to keep get his cheeks in shape when he's trying to blow the trumpet sarah what are you playing the flute that probably takes getting into shape too. get your lungs adjusted to that get your cheeks adjusted to that all sorts of things in our lives we can try to keep in shape. Uh, but there's more that we can keep in shape besides the physical things that we have to offer uh, from, our, from ourselves. Did you know that you can keep, you need to keep yourself spiritually in shape? Uh, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 18, we're going to be looking at a spiritual workout. It, it talks about working out your salvation. And so that's what we're going to look at uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Let me pray again and just ask God's blessing on this. God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to look at this with, without worrying about people coming in uh, and, and hurting us or disrupting what we're doing as we do this. God, again, I just pray that we would really take to heart that we need to, to work out spiritually. God, that we need to put our faith into action, that we'd be better today than we were yesterday on, on how we live out our faith. Please help this to come across loud and clear as each of us needs it as each of us needs to see it. And I pray for your help in Jesus' name, amen. So first thing says, work out your salvation. That's point number one, work out your salvation, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act for his good purpose. So very first thing, I want to make sure that we all understand we're not talking about work for your salvation, as if you're paying off a debt, as if you're trying to earn something. Uh, Paul's not saying work towards your salvation, as if at some point you're going to be deserving of it. I think about the kids 
who are practicing these instruments or the guy who's lifting weights, he's working towards having bigger muscles. They're working towards a program so that by some point in life, they're going to be able to do this. This is not about earning our salvation. It's not about making ourselves more worthy of our salvation. The Bible makes it very clear. You can do absolutely nothing to give yourself salvation uh, apart from the work of Jesus. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. God looked down from heaven. He says, I see that guy, Josh. I see that he is not capable of getting to heaven on his own. I'm going to have to do something about it. And so that's why he came down to this earth to die on the cross, to give me a free gift. He says, that's the only way Josh is going to get there. So he says, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. There is no bragging rights up in heaven to say that I have deserved or I have earned this salvation. It's only through faith in Jesus. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there is only one way through to heaven. That's through the free gift of salvation uh, through, that Jesus offers this. I can't deserve it. I, don't, I can't earn it. I can't make God even happy that, boy, I'm glad I saved Josh because look in the future what Josh is going to accomplish. There is nothing about me that makes God say, oh good, I'm so glad that I decided to save this guy. So that's, so working out your salvation does not mean I'm trying to earn something. I, I'm not trying to deserve it. So what does it mean to work out my salvation? Uh, flip, uh, the Philippian church, verse 12 that Paul's talking to, says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my presence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you see the call that it's important to do this. Now to work. Everybody here is familiar with work, right? Whether you've worked in a bank, whether you've worked in a, uh, in the, with a big piece of machinery, whether you're out there with the rake. We all understand what it means to work. It's to perform. It's to accomplish. It's for doing something that results in something else. Uh, when I work at the gym, what's that supposed to give me? It's supposed to give me muscles, or it's supposed to help me to lose weight. There's supposed to be a result of doing workout. It should give me something. When I work out my mind which maybe I should do more, what should I get? Smarter. If I work out my horse, which I don't have and I will never have, if I work out my horse, he should be faster. He should be more prepared for when that calf gets away. <laughs> yeah, if you know me, you know that horses and me and stuff like that are just two opposite spectrums of life. Uh, we can work out our vocal cords, and then we should be able to sing or play this instrument. The same thing is true with your salvation. The idea is simple. You have gained salvation, therefore there should be a difference in your life. There should be a change as a result. As I lift weights, I should gain muscles. As I have salvation, I should be different than when I was when I was 11 years old. Now, when I was a kid, um, I was a kid in Iwana who raised his hand and went forward every single week. I want Jesus as my Savior. Multiple times. I don't know how many times I went up front. I'm sure it annoyed my parents who were in Iwana that I kept coming up week after week. I made sure by the time I was 11 that I knew Jesus as my Savior and I was baptized. But I, I'm a lot different than I was at 11. How sad would it be that, that I would be a 40, almost 41-year-old man with 11-year-old spiritual growth? That's, that's sad. If I haven't done anything for the last 29 years growing spiritually, I'm not, doing, uh, I'm not working out my salvation. I'm about as fat and flabby as you can get of a Christian. And so as we, we need, Paul's telling him, you need to work out your salvation. And there's, there's two different ways I'm going to kind of look, look at to do this. The first is that 
everybody was given a spiritual gift. Paul's written around uh, in other letters to, to Rome and Ephesus and to Corinth about the spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. And once you get saved, you put your faith in Jesus, you get a spiritual gift. You may not understand what it is, you may not want it, you may not want to use it, but you've got something that God says, I'm going to gift you with because you're my child. And, and I, you know, Paul didn't write that in the book of Philippians. He didn't write and say, Here, here's your list of spiritual gifts. But Paul, I imagine if he's written it to at least three other churches, has told it to everybody. These people are growing in their faith. He wants them to understand that you have this spiritual gift. And it's a matter of them choosing to exercise it, choosing to use it, putting it into practice. But that's, that's like one of those great big things that uh, you might be able to accomplish. Most, most of what we do is just everyday life things that we need to do to put our faith into practice. Verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. To, to, he, he, wants you, he works in you to will and to act. Uh, to will means to have the desire to do something. Uh, that The Philippians church isn't going to have the same kind of desire or call each person, right? Just as each of us don't have the same job, God's going to say, I have something specific I want Paul to do. I want Chloe to do, who's actually listed in the Bible, but it's still fun to pick on her. It's going to have the same thing. It's going to be different than he wants the Philippian jailer to do, right? He says everybody is going to have a different desire that he wants for them to accomplish. And he's expecting them to act, to actually go out there and put it into practice. But God, when he's telling the Philippian church that I, you guys have a desire, here's what I want you to accomplish, God's not saying, okay, good luck, go do it by yourself. You know, the, there's a quote in the bulletin uh, by Hudson Taylor, who's a famous missionary, it says, God's work done, done in God's way will never lack God's supply. If God has given you a job to do, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you the ability to do it. He's never going to send you on a mission trip or out in the mission field or out into a, a school or workplace and expect you to do something unless he's given you that ability to do that. You know, a lot of people, though, they're, they're, they're just satisfied with the fact that I got Jesus. You know, I remember when I was 11 years old, I put my faith in Jesus. I was baptized, and everybody saw it, and, and they're completely happy that I got Jesus. And they do absolutely nothing to work out their faith. They, they got Jesus. They, they got the best of both worlds. I got the world that I'm living in. I can do whatever I want, and then if I happen to die, I'm a little fire insurance card, but that's not what Paul's saying. He says, work it out. Put it into practice. And he says, work out your salvation. It's your salvation. When I'm working out my body, pumping iron, who's gaining from that? Caleb isn't. He's not getting any stronger because I'm doing this. When I'm walking on a treadmill, someone else is not getting any skinnier, right? It's something that I have to do for myself. I wish I could put Caleb or Noah on the treadmill and that you guys pump the weights and I'll grow from it, right? That'd be great. I'd be like, that's what you do every day after school. But he says, work out your own. I am responsible for my salvation. That's what Paul's telling them. You have to put it into practice for yourself. And I think the Philippian church is actually doing this. Uh, I don't think he's trying to tell them to do something that they're not because it says in verse 12, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It sounds like while Paul was there, they were putting, they're building their faith. While Paul was away, they were doing this. Uh, the NIV says, continue to work out your salvation. So I think this church is doing this. This flipping church 
is growing in their faith. They, they, were, they got saved, the flipping jailer, from that point when he says, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say, great, I got my salvation, now I'm going back to being this, and I don't care about anything else. I think he became part of the church, he started growing, he started reaching out to people, and he was different from the point was where he got saved to where he ultimately left this life because death finally caught up with him. And I think this flipping church is doing a good job with that. But I bet it was easy for them to, to face the same struggles that the American church faces today. You know what? I'm trying to do this, but this person is not. Or I, I'm distracted because that person's not keeping their commitment, or that person has this gift, or that person's doing that. And it's like, and they, I'm, I'm sure they were tempted to say, someone else isn't doing this. They're not working out their salvation, so why do I have to? But Paul says, you work out your own. There's some point where if you have had little kids, and I know everybody here pretty much has, and if one little kid or in a, in a classroom or at home, and they're always saying, so-and-so is not doing this, so-and-so is not doing that. What do you tell them? At some point, you just got to worry about yourself, right? If, if Noah doesn't want to listen, Caleb's just got to worry about himself and make sure that he listens, right? If, if someone else doesn't want a speed limit at church, that's their problem. I hope they get caught, but that doesn't mean... I've got to get, quit worrying about them. I have to worry about me. And I think that's what Paul's saying. Or it's just, you work out your own. Hopefully everybody else is doing this as well, but you've got to worry about yourself. It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this isn't like fear, like I'm a slave, like I'm going to get beat if, God, if I don't. Because we all know what it's like when you disobey God because he's asked you to do something. And I'm walking around. God didn't pull out a whip and start whipping me. He didn't pull out a stick. I didn't get put in the shackles, right? We all know that you can get away with it at a time. So it's not about a fear of like, I'm going to get beat to death if, if I disobey, but it's, it's putting God in his proper place. You know, you think about the students at school who don't respect their teachers. Do they do the homework? Maybe. Do they sit in class and really pay attention? Or are they screwing around? You can tell the difference between students and how, how they feel about this teacher. But it's Paul's saying, kind of like put... God in his proper place. Put me in my proper place. What do I deserve, right? I deserve hell forever. If God was nice enough to get me to heaven, I mean, which he's, he is, but it's like, what would I deserve? I deserve to be mopping heaven's floors forever, right? You just go from one end back and forth. I don't deserve anything. And so I'm like saying, thank you, God, because of what you did, because of what I deserve and who you are, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to put myself in where I the place I deserve, and put you where you deserve, and I'm going to do this. And that's what Paul's telling the Philippian church, is do it with fear and trembling. Put God in his proper place, and put you in your proper place. The Baptist church in Plevna is exactly like the church in Philippi. The, the call for them to put their salvation uh, into practice, to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, is the same call that everybody here has today. And even everybody who's not here, they don't, may not realize it, they may not remember, but they have exactly the same call to put their salvation, uh, to work out their salvation. It means to put it into practice. I'm going to say it again. The idea is simple. You have gained salvation. You need to start letting your life change because of it. Uh, just as if you're working out your weight, your arms in the, the gym, you gain muscles. I have salvation. I should not be what I was at 11. I should know God's word better. I should obey God's word better. I should be sharing God's word better. I should be serving God better than when I first believed. You know, if, if you struggle with gossiping, from now on, bite your tongue. If, you if you've been cheating the government, 
Pay what you owe. If you're slacking at work, buck up and start doing your job. You guys get the, it's like the opposite. This is what the world wants. This is what I used to be. I cannot do that anymore. And your change from, from being what you were to what you should be now might look different because not everybody struggles with the same thing. I struggle with gossiping. That should stop. I struggle with pornography. That should stop. I struggle with uh, being rude to my family and speaking bad about my parents. That should stop. Whatever struggle it is, because we are all human and we all have struggles, what we are now should be different from what I was yesterday, from what I was five years ago, from what I was when I first got saved. And he says, work out your own salvation. I cannot blame my wife for, my, for how I'm living out my faith. I cannot blame my parents for how I'm living out my faith. I cannot blame uh, the church. I cannot blame my teachers. I can blame myself for, for how I'm growing in my faith and what I am putting into practice. You work out your own salvation. Someday you're going to be standing before God, and there's going to be no excuse acceptable for why you did not do what God wanted you to do. My parents wouldn't do it. My, my, my wife was a, a pain in my hiney to try to do it. My kids didn't want to go. Nothing is going to work. You have no excuse for not working out your salvation. And you have been given a spiritual gift. God says, here's something special I want you to be able to do. And he wants you to put that into practice. It's the same spiritual gifts that you find listed in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, that Paul has told to churches about this is what you guys have. It's the same thing that we have, that God's expecting us to be able to do. But also, the everyday life. He's put desires in you to accomplish certain things and to do certain things. And they're going to be different than each other. You know, I, I was thinking about this. I think about people who work on a ranch. Oh, my goodness. I can spend about a day here and there. I can go out and help feed for a day or, or help brand calves for a day. But I just, you know, I'm not wearing cowboy boots. You know, I was meant to. To, I'm not meant to get kicked by a calf and ride a horse and run a big tractor and that kind of stuff. I mean, it all looks fun, but it's like I just wasn't built for that. Just like I wasn't built to work in the oil field, right, or the gas field. I wasn't, I don't understand the knobs and the tanks and we're going to switch this thing off and turn this thing on and I'm not mechanical whatsoever. But people have skills. They have desires to do those kinds of things. God's put that desire in them. They're supposed to accomplish them. Just like the person who's Wants to be the missionary to Congo. Anybody here say, that's what I would love to do? Anybody feel like, I'm not built for that? <laughs> I have a soft bed at home. I slept on the floor last night. We got new carpet. We put the tent downstairs. And I slept on the floor till like 5.30 this morning. I'm like, oh, I can't take it anymore. I went upstairs and I got in bed. Because I wasn't built to sleep on the floor. I like electricity. I like running water. I like indoor plumbing, right? I don't like snakes. I don't like... You know, but God puts desires in people, and he says, I want you to do these things. It doesn't matter where he puts you. What matters is if you are willing to put, it in, put your faith into practice. Do what God is expecting you to do. But again, he's not expecting you to do it on your own. He's not going to leave you high and dry and say, good luck. I hope you, you can accomplish this. What God's work he gives to you is never going to lack his supply to be able to do it. The thing is, we have to be willing to put it into practice. I've already told you I got like three weight systems or treadmill things in my basement that I can't get out of my house, I don't think, to save my life uh, because once you assemble them, they don't fit around stairs and through doorways anymore. But what good, is it of me, uh, what good does it do me to have those things if I don't use them? 
right? It, I, it doesn't do me any good. I got to put it into practice. But not everybody wants to. I mean, some people get a kick out of Ville. Uh, Gary and Connie's son-in-law, Karsten, likes to go running. He just lives for it. He just loves to go running. I thought, well, I'd like to go with him running. So I tried. I tried run. I didn't run with him. I got on my treadmill. I thought I'll try to get in shape. And I did it. I got like three miles down. And I'm like, I just hate this. I cannot do this. He's built for that, right? Some people are built for that. Some people are built like I just, I don't, I love to get into God's word. I just love to change. And some people struggle with it. I don't like to read. I don't like to change. I like to be the way that I am. But that's not an excuse. We got to make sure that we get in there whether we want to or not. And Paul's telling them, when you work out your salvation, it's important to do this. People are watching. It's important to have a good attitude while you do this because, uh, like I say, people are always watching. Verses 14 to 16. He says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as stars in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He says, you guys are shining like stars in the universe. You know, before I moved to Montana, I did not know how awesome the sky was. Because even in Davenport, even though you got this town the size of Baker, somehow it just didn't seem that impressive. You go out here like tonight, what do you see? Just it's dark, and it's, it's like they call this big sky country. That's exactly right. At least here in Plevna, you look up and you see these stars. And I, can, I can picture Paul. He, he's got the same kind of situation because he doesn't have lights. There's, there's no airplanes going across the sky. There's no, nothing up there that's distracting him. And I can imagine him writing, you know, you guys are like, you know what, you guys are like the stars in the universe. It's dark up there. You guys are like these bright lights that are supposed to be shining. And he says, you guys, everybody's watching you. He says, make sure you guys aren't struggling with anything. It looks like to me like they're struggling with two different things, with grumbling and with arguing. Uh, you know, the, the church, you think about what we did on the slideshow uh, a few weeks ago about the, the ten silliest things that churches fight over. Remember the coffee that the people said, I want Starbucks coffee, and someone else didn't, and they kind of got a, a, a blend that's kind of in between, and people left the church. Okay, that's pretty silly. You got the guy who didn't want to wear his shoes while he was up here. You got the guy with the beard. People are fighting over that. And that doesn't even uh, apply to the normal things that we looked at, like painting the walls and keeping the carpet a certain color. And people were fighting over all sorts of things. And this church seemed like it had an issue with grumbling. And I don't know what you would grumble about, grumble about in a house church, but they were struggling with it. And their grumbling would lead to arguing. You know, like I'm just mumbling and grumbling by myself and complaining, and all of a sudden it turns into arguing about whatever this topic is. And they did have some disunity because in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says, I implore Yodia and I implore Sintichi to be the same mind in the Lord. These people were disagreeing about something in the Lord or about accomplishing a task together. And he's saying, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you guys. You guys, there's just some kind of disunity. A couple weeks ago, we looked at how uh, Paul says, if you have any encouragement, if any affection, if any joy, then if any love, then be like-minded. And they did that for Paul really well. They supported Paul on his missionary journeys uh, time and time and again. He was in Rome. They were trying to support him. But apparently they were not capable or they were not willing to show this kind of love, this kind of grace, this kind of forgiveness to each other. So they are not a very well unified church. And Paul's trying to encourage them 
to make sure that they are doing that so that they can be blameless and without fault. So that that outside world can't look and say, oh, that's what Christians are like. Oh, that's what the church is like. I don't think I want anything to do with that. You know, and that's uh, the kind of the thing here. They, they were supposed to be blameless without giving anyone a reason to complain about them, to, to find them faultless, to find them unblemished. You, you obviously know that this is a problem that's been in every church since the beginning of time. People have found fault with people in the church in some way or form, and they have said, I don't want anything to do with that. And Paul said, make it your goal to be faultless, to be innocent. And that's a very, very high standard to live up to. I, I struggle to live up to that high standard. But our goal should be to get rid of anything that's going to cause anybody to stumble, to not say that snide remark, to not respond that certain way, to not retaliate in any certain way, but make sure that we are always trying to model Christ to the world because the world is watching. He says, Paul says, you're holding out the word of life. This, you have a little light. Let it shine. People are, are looking at you as the example. So make, Paul's saying, make sure that like every word that you say, make sure that you're opening up your mouth and you're sharing the gospel. Make sure that your lives are living it so that when people see you, they see the correct example and they say, I want that instead of, I'm glad I'm not a part of that. And the same thing that's true for the church in Philippi is the same thing for the church in Plevna. We need to shine like the stars in the, wilder, in, in the, the sky. You know, because Paul had told them that you shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation, right? That's wicked in every sort of way. And imagine if it was wicked and depraved back then, what do you think it, he would think about our world today? Because we have invented astronomically ways of being evil. And if, if how much harder it was back then, or I mean how, much, how hard it was back then, how much harder is it going to be now? But you know the darker the, the sky, the darker the night, how much brighter does that little light shine? Right, And if you're, you might be the only person in your classroom, only person in your workplace, the only person uh, at the supermarket, right? But you are, are shining bright. And if we can all do this together, how much brighter are we going to shine? How much easier is it for us all to shine? The outside world is watching us. The kids in your classroom. I, I know that once people find out that you are a Christian, all of a sudden, you're, you, you got like this camera always on you. They may not like stare at you, obviously, but they're always going to see, how do you respond to the situation? Is this really real? Um, that's, is, this, is your testimony or what I know about Christians or whatever in the Bible, is it matching up with what you are doing? You are always going to be watching. They struggled with complaining. They struggled with arguing. They struggled with not being pure and blameless. That's exactly the kinds of things that we struggle with, right? At times, we complain. It's easy to complain about what's going on in this church. It's easy to complain about what's going on at work. It's easy to complain about what's going on in my house. Um, it's easy to argue. It's easy to argue with my parents. It's easy to argue with the boss. It's easy to argue with the coach. But we, whatever it is in our life that is not pleasing to God, that's going to make people say, ugh, I don't want that, Jesus, that's, that's wrong. We need to stop doing that. I can't be 11 anymore. I'm 40, almost 41 years old. I got to act like it, right? If you're, if you're an infant in your faith, that's one thing. But if you've been a Christian for this amount of time, there should be a huge difference. And I, it comes to mind, Paul says uh, to, the, to a church, he says, you know, by this time, you guys ought to be teachers. I'm still teaching you the elementary truths. 
over and over again because they were not putting their faith into practice. They were not working out their salvation. They were just content to say, you know what? I have Jesus. I go to church. I, you know, whatever. I'm good to go. And Paul said, no, you can't stay there. You've got to be different <laughs> than what you were. You've got to change. You've got to grow. You've got to stop doing those wrong things and focus on doing the right things. And then once we've been working out our faith, things are going to be accomplished. And Paul tells the Philippian church, rejoice together over what is accomplished. Verses 16 to 18. Uh, how about 17 and 18? He says, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you all should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul looks at himself and he knows where he's at in jail, in Rome. He doesn't, he doesn't know how much time he has left, but he's rejoicing over what he knows about the Philippian church. I think he's, he's heard news back about how this church is growing, about how people's lives are changing, that they're putting their faith into practice, that they're working out their salvation. And he has cause and reason to be excited. He has reason to celebrate. Paul's in prison just hoping he's going to live, right? He doesn't know if he's going to get out or not, but he's not... He's not complaining about that. He's not whining about where he's at. He's not talking about how unfair this is. He's saying, I'm choosing to rejoice over what God is accomplishing through you. And Paul says, you guys need to rejoice over what God is doing through me. Paul has been in prison. It's become known throughout the whole palace guard that, that uh, Paul hasn't been in prison for Jesus. Every, everybody who got hooked to Paul for their six hours heard the gospel. Uh, everywhere outside the churches, the churches who are jealous of what Paul is accomplishing, and he says, you guys should rejoice. God is working. He's doing certain things. Don't be, don't be caught up in, in what, what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, what each other's doing, what each other's not doing. We should be rejoicing because God is working. At this point of his life, he might be, he, he might be done. He says, I, I might be like the drink offering. Now, when they had sacrifices in the Old Testament, one of the last things that they would do at times is they would pour the wine over the sacrifice kind of seems like a waste if you ask me. And I realize it's not because it's a sacrifice to the Lord, but it, it, it's like it's just being poured out. And it's going all over the sacrifice, and then it hits the really hot altar, and it just kind of goes up like smoke. And Paul says, if that's all I have left, if that's all that's going to happen to me, you should rejoice. It's a sacrifice. It's a worship. It's working out my salvation. It's, it's putting it into practice as God has given me the opportunity to do that. Paul says, you know what, what's going to happen to me when I'm like that smoke going up? You know, I'm going to heaven. I have eternity with Jesus forever. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel bad for me. Rejoice at what God has accomplished through me. Rejoice at what God has accomplished through you and through each other. And let's do this all together. Because it's not, Paul's saying it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's accomplished. And because of this, I rejoice. I'm just happy because God has accomplished so much and that God was going to continue to do that. And the same thing is true for us in Plevna. You know, we know how to celebrate, right? We know how to celebrate. Some of you know how to celebrate Labor Day. <laughs> you, know, some of, you know, people know how to celebrate birthdays and victories on the basketball courts and holidays, you know, finishing the harvest, uh, getting a good grade on a report card. We know how to get excited about those things. We need to get excited about the things uh, such as when someone leads someone to the Lord. We should all be rejoicing that one little life was changed. When someone decides to go out on a mission field or when a missionary comes to town 
and they tell us about what they've accomplished, we should be here excited to hear what they're saying and encouraging them and being, and not, you know, uh, it's easy, at least for me, because I told you last week about uh, wanting the words of affirmation and how, like, I want to be the center of attention when it comes to that kind of thing. And it's easy to be like, well, what about me? You know, everybody's praising this person and, and nobody's saying anything about me. But it's like, that's not the point. It's not about me. Who is it about? It's about Jesus, right? And so we should be excited if they're over in Alaska, right? And they're leading people to the Lord, I should be excited. If they're in all these other countries, Japan, I should be excited and just thank God that I didn't have to go. <laughs> well, we should be excited. When someone starts a new church, we should be excited. Oh, just remember that we are all on a team. We all work together to complete something, a mission for the Lord. One of us is not more important than the other of us. We all work together. We all have our special gift that God gave to us. We can only accomplish what we can accomplish through Jesus. And so we should be excited when we see God accomplishing different things through different people. Okay, so here's a recap. We all have work to do. Once you give up your last breath, you give up the ghost, then you're done. But up until that point, you are not off the hook. You are not off the payroll. You have things to do. You're not trying to earn your salvation. You're not trying to deserve it. You're not trying to pay it back. But you are trying to accomplish what God is, has wants you to accomplish because of what he has done for you. He has given you salvation. My whole purpose, my whole life should be in response, should be to serve him in that way. I need to become... I need to be obedient to what God has called me to do, but I also need to strive to become more like Jesus every day. I should be more like Jesus tonight when I go to bed than I was right now. You know, the things that I've been hearing today, I should be better at putting into practice than what I was. And yeah, we're going to backslide. We're going to have moments where we're not doing those things, but ultimately we should be going farther. Okay, I went a little bit back, but ultimately I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. I should be headed constantly in the right direction. And my goal should be reach my full potential, right? There's, there's only so much lifting weights is going to do for me, right? I'm never going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm, my muscles just don't do that. I remember being in high school, lifting weights, and finally gave up because I was, I was getting stronger, but it didn't appear that way. There's, there's only a certain max what I'm going to be able to do. Playing the trumpet. Caleb's playing the trumpet. Chances are he's not going to be playing on Broadway, right? And maybe he will. Maybe he'll be that good, but he, maybe his potential isn't going to reach that amount. Maybe Sarah's will, though, right? But it's like, get, you want to do the best that you can do. People say, I want to get the highest degree that I can get. I want to, to be the best basketball player that I can be. I want, you know, it's like, we got to make sure we're doing that, working out our salvation to our max potential, whatever that is. Remembering that we are shining like stars in the universe. I'm, I'm shining like a star in Plevna. Some of you are shining like a star in the school. Some of you are shining like a star in Baker. Uh, one of you is going to be shining like a star over in Washington, right? And are you going to be a bright star? Are you going to stand out different from the world? Or are you going to look exactly like the world? Well, how are we going to do this? It's, it's our choice. It's our responsibility. I can't blame somebody else. My parents who were 800 miles away, I can't blame them. Yeah, they raised me, but I'm still on my own. I'm, I wish I could blame them when I get in heaven and say, it's their fault. No, God's going to say, Josh, look at you. What did you do with your salvation? Whatever there is in my life that is not honoring to God, 
big, small, middle, in between, what anybody else knows about, what they don't. I need to like get rid of that, because that's not the way Jesus is. I need to be, become more like Jesus day after day. And knowing that through all this, I'm not doing this on my own strength, because my own strength is like my arm, right? That's not very much. My own strength is what God can do through me, and so God's going to give me the ability to do it. I need to rely on his strength to get that done. And then I need to remember that we are a team and we're rejoicing with each other over what God has accomplished. Normally, when you, when you start a New Year's resolution, when you buy this expensive, bulky athletic equipment, you, you buy it before the start of the year, right? So you can start on January 1st, so you can work yourself to death that first day and then not do it again. <laughs> I've been there and I've done that, okay? Well, I don't want you to wait until the start of a new year, right? Today is September 1st. It's the start of a new month. Why don't we start today working out our salvation? It's as good a day as any. So let's, let's start today working out our salvation to become more like Jesus as, as we go and, so, uh, and accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. You, don't, you have no idea what God wants you to do, what he can accomplish through you. I just want to challenge you to work out your salvation. Don't ever get happy with where you're at. You're never spiritually in shape enough. You're never spiritually strong enough. Just keep on working out that salvation and reach your max potential of what God's uh, designed you to be. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for your word. God, there is so much in here uh, that is, it's hard to put into practice, God. And I know that we are just human and we are going to struggle and fail and be afraid to try to do some of the things that we see in your word. And I, God, I just pray that you'd help us to have this, the gumption to do this, God. It's, it is hard to, to work out anything uh, consistently. And I, God, I just want to help us, or ask that you'd help us to put our faith into practice, that we would become more like you today than we were yesterday. And then we can look at ourselves in two weeks and see the difference from what we were today. God, please help us to always remember to be uh, doing what you've asked us to do, to hear your words and put them into practice. God, help us always to remember that we are the example that the world's looking to, to be a bright and shining light, a bright and shining star for, for the world to see. And help us, God, to remember to be looking for the times and ways to celebrate for what you have accomplished and to celebrate that with each other. And I pray for your help and for your blessing in Jesus' name.